I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. What is up, fam? This is episode 81 of the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. I'm super stoked to bring Alex Rubchinsky onto the show. Finally, I was waiting until I was actually in Austin so we could record in person um, because Alex is like, I've never met anybody quite like Alex. Alex is well-versed in a variety of modalities, but he found his niche in neurosomatic therapy. And you're probably wondering what, that, what on earth is that? Well, imagine you've got your brain up in your skull and that attaches to your spine through a, a bone that has quite a range of motion called the atlas. And every single bone along your spine, it's hard. It has this little canal inside through which your spinal cord runs. Each of these bones, these vertebrae, they articulate around one another in very precise ways. And after years of immobility, you know, you're not doing a wide range of motions. You're not rotating. You're not flexing, extending. You're not taking compression off of those joints. Stuff starts getting sticky. Stuff starts calcifying. And you don't have the flow of energy and information from your spinal cord to all of the periphery, including your fingers, toes, your digestive system, your vital organs, and your reproductive organs. So Alex, as a neurosomatic therapist, will help to make sure that the flow of blood into and out of, from the center to the outside, as well as innervation to and from all of your vital organs, including the organs of reproduction, He's going to make sure that those channels are wide open. And he does it through a wide variety of, uh, of techniques that I can only defer to him to explain. Because when I hear this guy talk, I'm like, holy smokes, man. Such an incredible, extensive knowledge of anatomy, physiology, and the energetics of the human experience. So I think you're really, really going to like this episode. We talk about how his therapies can help with everything from breathing to blood flow and function of the pelvic organs to fertility, etc. So you don't want to miss this one. Thank you for tuning in. The uh, show is brought to you by Bioptimizers. Um, I want you to close your eyes and imagine I'm going to go lay down tonight and I'm going to fall right to sleep and then I'm going to wake up the next morning. I'm going to feel totally refreshed. If that's hard for you to do, we need to work on your sleep. And of all the things that we can do for our health, diet, movement, sleep, Breathing, hydration, mindset, EMF mitigation, sleep is the one that is most often neglected. Because when you were 25, you could run Ironmans, you could be in school, you didn't have to ever sleep. You could eat pizza, you could do all that stuff and still wake up the next day and crush it. Well, I thought I could do that too. Not, not so much the pizza part. I was definitely taking good care of myself, but I wasn't sleeping. That was the one part missing. And then my wheels fell off, I ended up in severe adrenal fatigue. So if you're not prioritizing sleep, then where are you at? Fortunately, Bioptimizers makes one of the best sleep aids on the market. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven distinct types of magnesium in it. And here, if, if any of the story of, 
of either not feeling rested or not being able to fall asleep, if any of that resonates with you, I want you to do this. You're going to go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. You're going to buy yourself some magnesium breakthrough. It's very reasonably priced too. That's the other great part about this product. You're going to buy a bottle. You're going to take two capsules with a tall glass of water 30 to 45 minutes before bed. And then I want you to let me know how you feel in the morning. I guarantee you're going to feel better. You don't even necessarily need to take this every single day because once you start getting into the rhythm of going to bed a little bit earlier, buying some blue light blocking glasses like something from Gilded, like Luke Story's brand, you start turning off your TV, you start getting into the mode of sleep, popping your magnesium 30 to 45 minutes, you're going to find that you get into a routine and then you may only need it once in a while. But many of us are not sleeping enough. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. You're going to buy that magnesium and Bioptimizers has a special offer right now for listeners of the Holistic OBGYN podcast. You buy one bottle, great. You're going to sleep better. Buy three bottles, you're going to maximize your sleep and you're going to start working on your gut health because they're going to throw in a bottle of Masszymes and P3OM. Masszymes is a digestive aid. It helps to break down the food in your digestive system. And by doing that, you're going to improve the nutrient uptake from the intestines into the blood. And P3M is the Navy SEAL of, of probiotics. So that's going to stimulate and support your microbiome, which is really what's doing the digesting and, and transporting of food. You're really not feeding your body. You feed everything that goes in your mouth. You're feeding your microbiome. And the microbiome decides what goes in and what goes in and what comes out, essentially. And then what ultimately comes out through your stool. So without a healthy microbiome, it doesn't matter how healthy your diet is. It's just kind of being wasted in the intestinal lumen. So with three bottles, you're going to get their mass signs. You're also going to get a free bottle of P3OM. Get your gut in order. Your sleep's going to improve. Get your sleep in order. Your gut's going to improve. And this can all be facilitated through these Bioptimizers uh, products. If you buy five bottles, they're going to add one additional gift, which is HCL Breakthrough. That reflux, that burniness that happens when you have big meals and lay down at night, that can all go away if you add some acid. Don't block the acid. Don't start popping Tums. That's what your doctors want to do. It doesn't work. And then you end kind of dependent on it because as soon as you stop taking those, you get this, this rebound and in, an incredibly large efflux of, of acid back into your stomach. And then you get heartburn like times a thousand. So we want to add a little bit of acid in there. It helps to the digestion. And combined with masszymes and P3M, you're supporting your entire digestive system and gut health. That's going to make everything better. And of course, you're getting mag breakthrough. So you're going to be sleeping better as well. So win, win, win. So go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic and you can uh, use code BELOVED10. It's all listed there. It's automatically applied if you go to that website. But check it out, guys. This is an, an incredibly generous offering from them. So take advantage of it while it can. I've already got all of my friends. I'm like, hey, now's the time. If you haven't, if you haven't tried it yet, now's the time because they're giving all these freebies. All right, so support by Optimizers. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show. I think it's time to get into my awesome conversation with Alex Rubchinsky of Primal Pride, Primal Fusion. Without further ado, here's my friend Alex. Enjoy. Try to help somebody understand what is neurosomatic therapy. We're not talking necessarily about chiropractics or surgery or functional medicine. We're, we're kind of taking a little bit of all of that, combining it into a practice whereby you can do some adjustments, et cetera. So tell me, what is neurosomatic therapy? Neurosomatic therapy is a type of body work that the best way I can explain it is they 
don't use one technique. Like you have people building whole empires around a technique, which means that everything that doesn't involve that technique doesn't exist because it impacts their business or who sure, comes here. Sure. And when people ask me, oh, what, what technique do you do? And what is involved in that? I go, there's a little bit of everything. There's like, if you look at it, there's, there's rolfing, there's, you know, there's fascial rolfing, there's massage where you're doing, you know, cross fibering, you're doing some petrissage, effleurage, you're doing trigger points, sports massage. It's, 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 it's a system that combines all the, a lot of techniques. And then you f- figure out what works later if you're, uh, if you're into it and you keep trying new things. But then what they also do that's unique, and uh, I'm pretty sure it came from another system. It was a collection of, there was another system that preceded that. And um, you look at the body differently than most people. When in, mo- in 90% of medical textbooks, they say the sutures in your cranium, for example, are fused, which is true when you're dead. <laughs> but when you're alive, still some flexibility there. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're not fully fused together and they can move. And if you don't believe me, you can put your fingers in your ears and then stand on a book on one foot and you'll feel your temporal bone shift from one side. Oh, interesting. And then if you do it to the other side, you'll feel them shift. So they're not fixed in place. And Sarah always likes telling people when about neurosomatic therapy because uh, I'll I tell stories about how I used to have like these old ladies come in and their cranium's all deformed. And they'll, I had one lady who painted, who shaved her eyebrow and then painted it symmetrically with the other one. So when I balanced her cranium, her eyebrow looked like the rock. She was like the rock. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was like this. Very doubtful for the rest of her life. <laughs> and I told her, go look in the mirror. And she was, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And, and she had to regrow her eyebrow because her frontal bone was symmetrical again. So people need to go and get their eyebrows tattooed on after they work with you. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. The, that's the moral of the story. 100%. Okay. So, so it's, it's looking at the the body and then seeing what compressions and what dysfunctions that lead to asymmetries. Cause when the body has asymmetries, it creates more compression to one side versus the other side. It can constrict blood flow. So many things that occur and the way the body functions in, in this regard is you're, 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 everything is programmed by your nervous system. So if something becomes off, even by millimeters or Inches, inches especially. I mean, that's that's, that's a big huge, yeah. huge in in ranges yeah. of motion. Then your body could ultimately create an injury because it's not creating something called instantaneous axis of rotation, which is when the joint joints actually hover. And when people, this is like going back to another term, like thinking bodybuilding talk. When people are talking about isolating a muscle, there really is no isolation in the system because your teeth have to be put together. Your neck has to be stable for the nerves to be able to innervate your bicep to, and then also your hands so you can grip that dumbbell and then yeah. create a, a bicep curl while at the same time your bicep is curling, your tricep is decelerating your elbow and, and the biceps and the triceps, the forearms are all hovering that joint with perfect synchronization. And if it's off by... A degree, you create an injury. Yeah, and then you and so think about how little a degree is on a compass. And if you walk a mile in that direction versus a degree this way, you're in a different state. Zip yeah, code. yeah, one hundred percent. And yeah. and so it's looking at an isolated issue, but then looking at it from the whole perspective yeah. of yeah. what needs to happen in order for this person to 
alleviate symptoms or whatever they want, right, whatever right. they Which is really captures the whole concept of holistics, you know? Like when, we, when people say holistic, they just think, oh, he uses natural me- remedies. No, that's, it's actually, that's it, yes, and we're considering the entire person as opposed to not just looking at the uterus as OBGYNs do. It's just a uterine issue. It's just an ovarian issue. It's never just that isolated part. It might be a large part in that, but there's some upstream cause of that. And I think that you were going to talk about some case studies, sort of examples of how you've worked with women. Um, by hitting some of that upstream stuff, we actually see the impact, not just in the uterus, but we see it in the ovaries. We see it in the lower extremities. We perhaps even see it in the brain. You know, We have a whole system that starts firing. And I mean, that's even, we could even go further out with holistics, you know, and talk about the energetic bodies, but really even in the world of chiropractics, they actually resonate much more with these energetic bodies than they do just the strictly physical. The physical stuff is the downstream consequence of something happening elsewhere along the spinal cord. You've met some cool chiropractors then. Well, (laughs) I have, I have, they're not all, a lot of them have taken a very prescriptive kind of allopathic approach. Like you've got a shoulder issue. Let's work on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Well, as you and I both know, that could be, you even have braces and you start to feel aches and pains. Like if anybody out there has adult braces, which I do and you do, (laughs) I don't have mine in, mine are in my pocket. I've got the Invisalign, but when you start feeling the teeth shift, yes, the teeth get sore, but I'm also like, oh my gosh, my neck is tighter on this side than, than the other, or I don't have the range of motion in the shoulder. So I've had to work a lot more on mobility. But if you're just looking at teeth, like did most dentists do, you forget that this is a part of a, a bigger organism. So let's talk about some of the examples. Let's start with uh, conception. You talked a lot about increasing blood flow to the pelvic organs. Talk to me a little bit about that. There was, uh, on paperwork, I'd look through people's paperwork and, uh, you know, one of the things is they can't get pregnant. And I'm like, so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to ask about that. And they've tried, they've tried, they've tried, they have, you know, various clinical diagnoses and they've got that big list of ICD codes and it's like, okay, well, what can we do to actually impact all of those things? (laughs) Right. And so I didn't, at the time I didn't, think twice about, well, yeah, let's get her pregnant, you know, not me personally, but her partner. Right. I have to be careful with my language <laughs> there too. <laughs> um, get into some weird territory there. <laughs> but when I was like, okay, you came in with pain. You didn't come here to get pregnant. You came here because you had pain. And so let's address the pain. So then, and then I'd measure her pelvis and it was like 20 degrees pelvic flexion, which for women normal is seven to 10 degrees. Mm. And when you even get to 10 and 11, 12, it starts creating dysfunction. Well, this person was 20 degrees. And it turns out when you un, when I untorsioned her pelvis, a couple months later, she got pregnant as wow. one, one example. Wow. Then and you, you attribute that to in, improving the blood flow and the energetics in the pelvis. I can only imagine. I mean, her atlas was out, which is not uh, 50% of your rotation comes uh, from your from your whole spine comes from your atlas. What's the atlas? Your atlas is your C1 vertebrae. So if you picture, if you take someone's head off and you look at the top of their skull, it's the very first vertebrae that, that your skull sits on. It's like, uh, you know, that, uh, statue of the atlas Yeah. and he's yeah, holding uh-huh. the world up. That is atlas is C1 and the world is your head is your brain wow. and atlas is holding your brain up. And that's why they call it the atlas because right it holds up the world. <laughs> Right on. Okay. So, so a lot of issues, in other words, could result not just from like what vertebrae is related to innervation of the uterus, let's say. It could also be something upstream that leads to this downstream cascade of, of consequence. Absolutely. Since yeah. the pelvis and the head mirror each other, your atlas, your C1 and your L5 mirror, uh, mirror each other. And then, um, well, not technically mirror, they 
head and the pelvis go the opposite direction, but the C1 and C uh, and L5, they mirror the directions that they go and everything in between, um, without getting too technical, yeah. does things in pattern. It should do things in pattern. So your, your body goes this way, your pelvis goes that way and, and vice versa. You tilt your head this way, this left hip comes up. So things happen and things get, people get stuck in certain situations and postures. And if you're not getting blood flow to your brain, and you're getting compression and for some uh, people aren't taught that nerves are they're like hoses and if you compress a hose you're not going to get water coming out of it and if people study so like when we built this thing i learned a lot about electrical systems which made even more sense so i'm not even an electrician mm. but they they were asking me things like how far does this cable need to run i'm like why does that matter and they go well since it comes out of the transformer at this unit, by the time it gets to your outlet, it has to be a certain unit, which means we have, there has to be a certain gauge and a length. Oh, I see. Because the resistance, as the electricity passes through, gets less and less and less and less yeah, and less. Yeah, yeah. So all of that dictates how much, how, what big a wire they use. But we have the wires in our body, right. and if right. you start lengthening them or compressing them, by the time from your brain it goes to wherever it needs to go, it's going to meet more resistance, which means it doesn't innervate the tissue that it's supposed to innervate. Which means that it doesn't totally function. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't function. No blood flow. No no detoxification. No restoration of its own system. And we're not even compounding the mental, emotional, and the spiritual side on sure, top of that. Sure. Yeah. On a purely physical level, yeah. If you're having an issue up here, eventually it'll mirror itself or yeah. it's going to compensate down below and same thing as below, so above. Yeah. And it can cause all sorts of issues. Yeah, it's, a- it's, it's funny how many people, you know, with these past three years, a lot of people have been working from home and they've got like their computer set up and, and they're sitting in a desk and they've got the chair and they're, they're working, working, working. They develop neck pain and then they develop back pain and then they develop hip pain and then their calves become tight and their knees start hurting and you get this whole thing and it's it's all because we've got some dysfunction up here in the cervical spine i've been i've caught myself in that pattern too of just looking at my phone all day or you know craning my neck because my my i'm not in like a a very ergonomic position while i'm working at the computer so all of this is to say that as a reminder which we've been we've been kind of harping on already is that the way that you move from head to toe is going to impact everything in between. And it isn't just a neck issue. And if you don't, and if you identify it as just a neck issue, you're going to likely fall into this pattern of developing all kinds of issues down, downstream, including fertility issues, including pregnancy related issues. Um, have you worked with any people who are pregnant? Oh uh, y- Yeah. I tend not to work with people in their first trimester. Yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then second is more of the, okay, let's get stuff done. And then there were some people in the third trimester that I, I needed to work on their head and I couldn't have them laying on their backs too long. Yeah. So it's, it's more of more interesting to have them lay on their back real quick and you get as much done and then you roll them over to the side right. and then you're right. like, okay, and then you sit them up. Then I'm working with them. Like I have to they're in pain. I got to do something. So I'm working with, with their atlas on a semi-reclined position. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I had to figure it out somehow because yeah. no one else is going to do it. And so I'm, they're coming here. So I have to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so not in the first trimester. So fast forward. So what I always tell people is we're not going to be able to do a lot in nine months anyways, because your body's changing day by day. So the time to get these issues solved is not in pregnancy. However, there might be some specific indications where you could get you know, you could support them a little bit through that. So 
<laughs> my mantra is always, let's get you as healthy as freaking possible while you're trying to conceive. And then after you conceive, you're on the roller coaster now, right? Mm-hmm. So let's get all the work done. Come and see Alex before you get pregnant. And then it'll all probably also improve the likelihood you could get pregnant if we can get some of the nervous system you know, disorders or the dysfunction kind of resolved and the blood flow. How about postpartum? Because that's actually the vast majority of people who come to me with pain issues or they've got a whole bunch of stuff stored in the pelvis. For anybody out there who isn't aware, the pelvis becomes extremely flexible. You get a whole bunch of dysfunctional, well, it's not really dysfunctional. It's actually quite functional, the joint laxity. But if it isn't, if, it, if we're not appreciating the joint laxity, it, it opens us up to quite a deal of injury, especially if your pelvis is extremely tight because that baby is going to come through. The pelvis is meant to open. The baby comes out and then your body puts itself back together. Through salutogenesis, you give it the right movement patterns, the right resources, and it'll get there. But so many women end up having, you know, we call it, uh, we don't really have a word for it, but the sphincter dysfunction and the bladder dysfunction. And, you know, people say prolapse and all that, but it's not even that. Like prolapse is the end of the chain for these types of dysfunctions. Let's talk a little bit about when a person has a baby They've got either pain or they just don't feel like stuff's moving well. They're getting knee pain, back pain, whatever. That pelvis perhaps hasn't gone right back. We haven't had our closing ceremony in many regards. So when a person comes to you postpartum and they've got whatever issue you've seen under the sun, where does the work begin there? Is it an internal? Is it external? Do you start on the neck like everybody else? Like, like tell me about your approach. When you say you start on the neck like everybody else, it's mostly... I haven't met too many people that can realign someone's cranium and atlas effectively together. And you have certain chiropractors that address only the C1. Right. And then with hopes that it'll move everything else. And that's kind of how the principle of some of these modalities are. It's we address the thing we're supposed to address and then everything else will follow. Right. And I'm like, well, let's do all the things at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. then it'll move yeah. faster. Why wait? Well, it's sort of like chakra balancing, right? Where you could start on that number one or number two, which are totally in the, in the can right now, but we also have to be working on all these other, these other things upstream. So, so I don't know, let's get, let's talk about C-section. Let's talk about after a C-section, how do you work with a, what are some of the concerns that you've, uh, you've faced? I've, I've talked to several OBGYNs and including our doc, uh, our doctor who delivered Ari. And she said that we actually don't cut through too much fascia. Right. And I'm like, but, but you do. And then on top of that, I heard the fascia that you ripped on mm-hmm. her because mm-hmm. apparently they didn't cut enough or maybe... maybe I'm, to stretch it out. Yeah. yeah. And I did not expect it yeah. sounded like fabric tearing. Yeah. And it messed yeah. me up because I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Everything else was great. It's was like, like ripping a piece of canvas. I mean, we're yeah. talking about that big rectus sheath right in front of those abdominus rectus muscles. And uh, you do score it generally and then you extend it with your fingers. But a healthy fascia, like Angie Check's fascia, was like rock hard. And I'm sure Sarah, with how she takes care of herself, there's a lot of trauma to that fascial layer. So I'm guessing you started with that because that's probably a big, a big area of concern for you when you start working with people. Because what ends up happening is it locks down people's breathing and then they don't breathe and then they don't have this proper movement. And then to really grasp this concept, anyone listening is going to have to know how, what, what the inner unit muscles are, your abdominals, your pelvic floor, your diaphragm, your multifidus, they have to work together to speak to the outer outer unit and which is all the core muscles that people train in the gym uh, or the abdominal wall muscles that people train in the gym because your glutes are technically part of your core what ends up happening is since there's so much laxity 
the body's natural mechanism is to then shorten those tissues. So then they become locked down. Now they don't breathe. Everything is either too immobile because it doesn't innervate or it's locked down and the person doesn't move right. So we need to get their breathing restored. And so the best way to get that fascia back to the place that it's supposed to go is by breathing properly through yeah. And in order and the only way to activate your TVA or your transversus abdominis to contract is by breathing in and then drawing in or fully exhaling and drawing in. Either way, you need to learn people need to learn how to breathe properly. Right. And most people breathe from their chest. <laughs> yeah, they're they're they're, they're shoulder to ear yeah, breathers, you yeah. know. And, uh, and we all do that by the way. Like this isn't like even for me, I'm very well aware of this. I've done a ton of breath work and focused belly breathing. I catch myself during the day. It's like, man, have I taken a deep breath all day long? The answer is no, because we all get so caught up in the go, go, go that we forget that like, <sighs> is like an important exercise to be doing regularly throughout the day. So continue. Yeah. So we get the breathing done right. And then when people get the, the C-sections done, it severs the innervation between the upper and lower abdominals and then there's a right. whole conversation about there is no upper there is no lower it's one innervated piece but if you look up anatomy they're actually each each abdominal muscle is innervated by its own nerve right. so that's not true right. from these giant plexi that nobody fully understand anyways so <laughs> yeah it's like a bundle of stuff and hopefully it works and but yeah, right so yeah you you, you sever the, that connection you open someone up and then how do you bring them back together so like for Sarah, she wanted, I remember she was like, oh, I'm going to go running. I feel terrible right now. And I'm like, that's, that's the worst decision ever. Well, you got to get you doing lower abdominal exercises right. to retone right. and get your nerves innervating and controlling that tissue again. So little by little, she was like, oh, okay, fine. So she started doing her exercises, her TVA stuff, her horse stances, all, all the exercises that reintegrate the inner unit to the yeah. outer unit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, three months later, she was like back to normal. Back to normal. Yeah, there's a, a big hot topic in the OBGYN space. I'll let you. Uh, I'll, I'll blab a bit so you can get some some tobacco there. A big a big concern that a lot of women have is, oh, you know, everything just falls apart down there after you have a baby and this and that. And it, it, to some degree, yeah. I mean, your body changes, of course. It's coming back together now. You've transformed archetypically, spiritually, etc. Like, there's a lot that happens, and physically, yes. To, to expect that you're going to be exactly the same before or after a baby as you were before is probably unrealistic. I mean, it, this is a profound change to the body. On the other hand, whenever people present in their 30s with like prolapse symptoms or their bladders kind of saggy a little, and we're talking about the, if you look inside the vagina, the vulva's on the outside, the vagina's on the inside. Inside the vagina, you see the cervix. Above that is the anterior compartment. Below is the posterior, and that's where the rectum is, and the anterior is where the bladder is. I've worked with some really talented physiotherapists that see this in that way. And what we always say is, oh, your, your parts are falling out. Well, they're not falling out. You've got muscles that are tighter on this side versus this side. They're actually pulling those organs down. And I found that to be a really illustrative way to help people understand that when we get the bones in your pelvis back in alignment through work like what you do, the, the tissues will actually restore and that laxity will resolve itself because it wants to be in that upper position or that tight kind of rectal compartment. So do you do a lot of internal work as well as a, as a therapist, like in the vagina, in the pelvis, you know, maybe even uh, rectally? I'm not licensed in it. I know how to do it. So I don't do it on the clock. Gotcha. But if people need it, yeah, 
I'm like, go to a pelvic floor specialist. If they can't get it done, I'll get it done, but I'm not getting paid for this. Right. Like, cause this right. is not, this is not my licensed wheelhouse. Sure. So this is not going to, and then whenever it does happen, I, I have Sarah come in the room and Sarah's in the room with me and that's men and women included. A little chaperone support. Well, yeah, there's, there's a power differential there. The person may feel vulnerable. A lot of people are like, go. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's. <laughs> they're not ashamed at all, which is so wonderful to, to experience. Do you have to even go internally though for, for no, some of those issues? No, yeah. okay. no. Cause most people like there are pelvic muscles, like your obturator muscles that you could reach from the exterior. But then there are some things like, for example, if, um, like they have, they're, they're experiencing their tailbones out or the, and now as they're getting bigger, they're getting compression from their tailbone because oh, yeah. it's bent up. So I'm yeah. like, I have to go inside and fix yeah. it if yeah. they have no resources to do that. Sure. Um, so that has happened, but there's a lot of things like the bladder. Most people don't know that the bladder actually has two muscles and it's like a thin little bag. And so as the bladder fills up, it brings those muscles together and then it, tells you the muscles are contracted it's time to pee and then as you pee the drains and get longer so as for some people if they have a preference to sit with one side uh oh. cross-legged or they'll have maybe an ovarian cyst uh. on one side that's creating inflammation which shortens the tissue yeah. or the baby's yeah. getting pushed on and it pushes that bladder closed and those muscles together and then the brain thinks you have to go to the bathroom so after they've given birth, I can go and release those tissues to relax the bladder muscle on whichever side it is. And sometimes it's on one side, sometimes on both sides, but it doesn't have, it's, you got to go and feel it out. And then all of a sudden they can hold their pee in and it's yeah. not every time they jump rope, boom, they're, right. they're, they're peeing. Right. So that, that has happened and all the adductor, everything pretty much can be released on the outside yeah. except um, like the tailbone and working inside the pelvic floor muscles. Yeah. Yeah. A client comes to mind who had the, she had like a really strong orgasm and it was like a, you know, she described it as a G spot orgasm and <clears throat> we're not going to get into the sexual energetics here. But after that, she felt like there was a tickling feeling in her bladder region and she tried everything. And I, I worked with her. We got her on pelvic steaming we even, I even wanted to, to empirically try like an antihistamine to see if it was maybe like an uh, interstitial cystitis or something. Just uh, and nothing, none of that really worked. It worked for a period of time because there is an anti-inflammatory component to antihistamines, but it wasn't until she got some biofeedback therapy and was actually able to loosen up those muscles because just like you were saying, the pelvic floor is pulling one way harder than the other. And we're not talking about the actual levator ani necessarily. We're talking about all the muscles that are connected to that though. Again, we're talking about the system of the pelvis as opposed to that one muscle, that one bad guy muscle that's causing all of this, this issue. And sure enough, in a couple months she was doing better, but I like the fact that you're able to do things externally as well, because I think it is very confronting for somebody to come to a male who's going to do internal work. It's great whenever they are totally open to it, but I also respect that you can set those boundaries as well and, and try to do your best and probably resolve a lot of people's issues on the outside. How about, um, let's talk a little bit about babies, because I know that that's not really something you're licensed to do, but have you noticed any of these types of therapies, neurosomatic therapy in babies doing any good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I've had plenty of experiences of frantic parents bringing me their children. And once again, it's off the clock situation. I'm right, like right. standing in my kitchen or in their living room. And um, actually someone that might find me that's on my Instagram uh, brought me, asked me to come see their kid because you know, the kid was having a hard time breathing. And so when he got delivered, 
you know, and I told them, I was like, dude, I don't know. What do you want me to do? And they were like, <laughs> we don't, we don't know where to bring them without getting all these things done. You know, we know what's going to happen if we go to the hospital, test, blah, What blah, was blah. the kiddo's issue? He was having a hard time breathing. Oh, breathing. Just a lot of short kind of gaspy breathing. Mm -hmm. It was very, very uh, almost like forced. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like a person who has like COPD or something and they're like struggling with every breath. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I, I show up and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, okay, well, let me go over what I do know how to do. So I'm like, okay, the spine feels straight and I'm holding this kid and I'm going, what do I do? And then as I'm holding him, I'm noticing that I feel more of one transverse process of his atlas or C1 vertebrae on one finger, but then the other one is like down here, which is lower on yeah. one hand. So I'm like... Yeah. Hmm. And from everything that I know about what I know about kids is they're easy to move. They're easy to move. They're not, they don't have, they're not bound down by mental, emotional, spiritual stress yet. And so I'm, I'm going, okay, well, I'm going to match this baby's breath. And so I'm going to hold his head and I'm going to pin the Atlas. And, and then, so as he's breathing, I'm kind of rotating his head. And as I'm rotating his head, he starts breathing more and more wow. and more. And then it pretty much resolved itself. And I go, it's like the go. perfect test subject. Cause like you said, there's not all these other confounding variables. Yeah. And I go, I, 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 here you go. And they're very appreciative. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, and uh, <laughs> and then there, yeah, other, other kids, like uh, I had some um, kids with constipation issues. And so then I, when they brought him in, I, Worked on their colons, did some small intestine work, and all of a sudden, you know, poop, lots of poop. And then I, you know, the parents came back and I taught them and I like sat there with them and showed them this is how it should feel. This is what you should do. These, this is the... On the belly or on the backside? On the front side. Oh, no so kidding. I taught them how to feel what the, tra the, the, where the colon is from the ascending, descending and, uh, transverse colon. I go, this is what they feel like when they're constipated. Cause when they're not constipated, you're not going to feel them. Yeah. You have to have really refined touch to be yeah. able to feel things that it feels like silk, almost like it moves out of the way yeah. so effectively. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I teach the parents how to treat their own kid. So that way they don't have to keep coming back. Yeah. And right. I've worked with that tons of atlas stuff tons of pelvis stuff um to our kids we'll work on work on one of our kids almost died of acute liver failure and so i'd work on her liver and then she came to me later saying hey my rib cage feels like it's off so then i put her rib cage back in place she goes that is so weird that you could do that no one no one's like saying they're like no this is this is it now and but wow. each each one of those ribs has a joint yeah. and all you gotta do yeah. is mobilize the joint and then put it back into place while taking the big stress off of the organ when the organs get inflamed, it'll it'll move the body. Right, of course. Of and course. so, yeah, I mean, but it's most people are, once they hear like, that's not possible, then they're like, cool, let's chalk it up to not being possible. <laughs> but I, I've seen so many things. And have you read uh, the Quantum Revelation? No, I haven't. I can't remember who. Oh, uh, by uh, Arnold Mendel? No. Or? He's a union analyst. I can't remember his name, but Quantum Revelation is the book. And... Um, in there, it talks about experiment comes from the word experience. And so if you have experience, then, and I could be, I'm butchering the quote out of that. I was listening to Audible. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and the mystics are the real people who have experience in whatever they're experimenting with in the quantum. Yeah. And so I thought that was a really interesting oh, thing interesting. going, well, if mm. you experience it and then someone else hasn't, and they're trying to argue with you why it's not possible, then they need they they haven't experienced it yet and yeah. they need to yeah 
Because their whole world, their whole paradigm, their whole thinking will shatter. And they go, great, now I have to learn more things, which is exactly what you want to be doing. You want to learn more things once you learn something new. Yeah. Let's go deep into yeah, it, at least right. to the extent that, you know, like I got deep into teeth for one. Because orthodontics came around because they were a bunch of dentists were going, well, why are people's teeth messed up? And we noticed that as their posture gets bad, their teeth get bad. Mm. So let's fix their teeth. And hopefully that'll stop their posture getting bad too, because they've noticed that teeth shift as people's posture starts getting worse. Interesting. Well, couldn't you flip that as well? Couldn't you say, let's fix your posture? And then, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm not the brightest tool in the shed, but I'm making connections here. <laughs> yeah. And so if someone has good posture, good skeletal alignment, their teeth won't go out of place, but their teeth have to be locked in because the <sighs> teeth kind of, they hold there has to be interdigitation on all those teeth have to fit together because that's what locks your skeletal structure in place. So if your maxilla is often good luck, which is why I send most people to, to orthodontics, specialized orthodontics that have that specialize in airway as well. So they're working on creating width and anterior growth and also allowing people to breathe more effectively. Yeah. Yeah. If I didn't see it happen, you know, I could have also kind of written off, but I, but I kind of, I listen to what Paul has to say and then I go experiment with it and until I see it, then I go, oh, yeah, this makes sense. There's, yeah. there's, there's weight to this or else he probably wouldn't be wasting his breath on a, <laughs> for 10 days talking about teeth as yeah. one of his courses. And so it's really interesting to me that people possible. Right. Right. Yeah. The teeth thing I think is really, uh, a really interesting point because like we were just talking about braces and whatnot. There's a lot of people that come with sleep apnea and then they develop, if you have really severe sleep apnea, you end up developing pulmonary hypertension and that can, that leads to right-sided heart failure. And now you're in really bad shape. We can't fix your, your heart cells once they die. So all of this stuff about breathing, it, it, it brings to mind this dentist that I saw speak at a conference a while back before paleo was cool. And he was talking about how the generation of kids that weren't being breastfed, they have small palates, they have short palates, their their teeth are all stuffed into this little place because when you look at a baby bottle, the nipple's like, you know, it's like maybe this big and this this big around. And if you look at a, a, a lactating woman's breast and watch a baby latch, it's the entire breast goes into the mouth. Like there is a a vacuum that's created. And those baby bottles, and I'm not saying that everybody you know, has to breastfeed because some women are, are, you know, they struggle with, with milk supply and, or maybe the baby has a cleft palate surgery. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why some kiddos don't breastfeed, but in our parents' generation, at least when I was growing up, I didn't, I wasn't breastfed at all. Cause it was like cool to go and buy these new formulas that were coming out. And now look where we are with formula shortage, but we won't even go down that, down, down that path. I think people are appreciating that like, oh yeah, we didn't need that Harvard study to tell us breastfeeding was good. And now that people are waking up to that, kids are having less respiratory issues, not to mention less immune system issues or, or any other dysfunction because there's that bonding that comes with the mother and their whole palate, their entire, all of that stuff above the orbit starts functioning well from day one of life, moments after the birth. Versus let's pop this bottle in there and not only are you getting soybean oil and all this other junk that's in formula. Again, if you have to use formula, that's fine. There is a better option if you go to Nourishing Traditions. They've got a homemade baby formula. I digress. But this dentist was talking about how important that is for our our health, our longevity, to get your mouth actually operating well. And if you don't have a, a large enough palate, the teeth start colliding. They start caving in. They start cracking. You develop abscesses. You get you get gum recession. 
And that opens you up to all these other bacteria that circulate through the blood and cause all this inflammatory shit and cardiovascular issues. And I mean, this is not new. This is something we've known for a long time. But it wasn't until Weston A. Price and his foundation started really promoting the work of, of uh, what was his book called? Uh, Degeneration and health and human, de- you know, human health and degeneration or something. But it was through the lens of, of orthodontics and, and dentistry. So um, that was a bit of a, tan- a tangent. But I do think it's important to realize that uh, for anybody out there, that this is not an isolated system, the teeth, the spine, the pelvis or whatever else. If your teeth aren't working well, or let's say that you don't have a, an adequate bite. You and I have talked about this before, and I know Paul Check talks a lot about this. Your, your performance in the gym is a direct indicator as to how your teeth are aligning and how your bite is. Could you talk a little bit about that as well? Because you had a really beautiful description of that when we were working out one day mm-hmm. uh, a couple months back. Something else about the baby nipple. The baby nipple is passive. And if anyone's ever tried to wrestle breast milk out of a breast, it's really challenging for the tongue. So the baby can basically gets laid down and then milk goes into its mouth. No work. And if anyone's ever worked with a uh, myofascial therapist for tongue reconditioning, it is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting to do like a movement. And then even if you guys are sitting there right now, try to take your, your tongue and then go around the inside of your teeth and then the outside of your teeth and then on the bottom outside of your teeth and the inside of your teeth. And then keep doing that for 10 repetitions and and make sure you get all of the teeth. You're not kind of like glancing over them. Your tongue is going to start getting tired. I'm on two rotations. Sorry for all the mouth noises, everybody. I'm on two rotations and I'm using muscles. Like I feel my sternocleidomastoid kicking in. I feel my neck kicking in a little bit. Like there's a lot of musculature there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so since your tongue connects to your occiput, the back of your skull, then you're, then there's a sphenobasilar joint from your occiput to your sphenoid, which your optic nerves come out of. So your sight stabilizes no where you are. Yeah. And so they articulate together. The sphenoid articulates with almost every other b- bone in your skull. And so if your teeth aren't aligned and your tongue isn't in the right physiological position, which should be at the top of your mouth and not pushing forward up, going straight up. Yeah. And if you have a, because the teeth are also not bones they're crystals they have they're made up of yeah they're like organisms yeah themselves yeah and so they also when you touch them together they create piezoelectric charges and which innervate your and refresh current to your organs and so every time you chew or you bite down you're actually pumping your organs full of blood and, and muscles too because they connect to joints wow. each tooth connects all these different things. And so your body also, if you have any kind of malocclusion or, um, what's a malocclusion just for people who don't know when, when your teeth don't fit together okay. and when your, your teeth are compressing on each other, they're like hydraulic presses. And so if they're getting, let's say they're getting too much pressure on one and your body feels like it's going to crack a tooth, your body will disengage, which means that it will turn off your neck muscles. And as we're talking about this, since your the peripheral nerves that come out of your neck need to are, are housing the nerves that innervate your hands, your pecs, your back, all of the muscles pretty much torso up, you're not going to have proper connection to your hands. So most people, they use wrist straps and can't grip the bar because they're like, oh, I'm so strong that my grip is, fa- you know, is failing on these high weights. It's, it's, it's usually a teeth issue. Oh, interesting. So I recommend people get mouth guards for when they exercise. And all the people at home can try this. You, can, you, you could get a hand dynamometer, which basically you squeeze and it tells you how much yeah. pounds you're putting yeah. out. 
they're like 20 bucks on Amazon, a cheap one. You don't need a really good one. It's a little party trick. Like yeah. How, how far can you squeeze this? Thing? Yeah. yeah. It'd be fun to bring out at a party. And if you <laughs> grab a pencil and you squeeze the grip on both hands, you grab a pencil, you put it on your molars and you bite down on that thing. If your grip improves, that means you have some kind of temporomandibular joint disorder. Interesting. Yeah, something in your mouth isn't working, whether it's your tongue, whatever it is, but your temporal mandibular joint got space. And so your brain is going, oh, well, we're not at full capacity. Our teeth are safe because you're biting on something that's kind of uh, malleable. And, yeah. and it, but it's still dense enough that you're not going to bite through it. Some people do bite through the pencil. Um, yeah. But even then, their grip, their grip strength improves. So if you don't get your teeth put back together or you haven't been breastfed and there's... There's a, there's a, I can't remember where I heard this, but no professional high end athlete at the top of their field was not breastfed. They were all breastfed. No kidding. And the other fun thing about breastfeeding is when, when the boob is in the mouth, the baby can't see the mother. So they ha- the baby has to use his peripheral nervous system and uh, peripheral eyesight and really carve as far as it can around the eye sockets to develop that peripheral system. Oh so when God, you get them out on so the field, cool. they can see everything yeah. and they can see movement because they're seeing what their eye, their mom's facial expression is only by getting a slight glance of her. So their nervous system is training to be a hunter gatherer or an athlete or whatever yeah. <laughs> from day one. Yeah. God, you just rocked my world. I love that about you. That's amazing here. So, so I know a lot of uh, Paul's movements in his, you know, in how to eat, move and be healthy. I send a copy of that to all of the clients that sign up for packages with me because it's like, just read that book and then we can go through it together if you need to. And people are like, sometimes they don't even need much more than that because there are simple exercises in there like, you know, and some of the, some of them are like higher chakra movements as he associates it, but it's really working every muscle in the body. It's full rotation of the eyeballs. It's, it's sticking the tongue out. It's, it's flexing all of those muscles of smiling and frowning and sticking out your tongue and scrunching up your face and trying to wiggle your scalp and wiggle your ears. But all of that is connected to your nervous system. So there's an important reason to be doing these things. People think it's, it's not so when they see me in the gym and I do my, my like lower body warm up, and then I'm like, ah, like going through all these weird facial, you know, uh, movements. And even when you look at like the haka of the, uh, of the uh, New Zealand blacks, the rugby team, the amount of muscle that's involved is not just their big rugby muscles. They're, they're really stimulating the nervous system before a big match. And of course, there's, there's a lot of beautiful, um, compassionate reasons that they do the haka. But on top of that, they're also warming up parts of their body that the other team, you know, maybe just totally relaxed, dead face. You see the marathoners, they're running and they're like, you know, but that kind of looks like the face of a baby with a baby bottle where it's just this mm. kind of mindless sucking calories down versus... I never even thought about that. Looking for mom, keeping mom in, in, you know, eye gazing the entire time they're breastfeeding. There's so much to that. And they go from one boob to the other boob. So they have one side and the other side. Yeah. Right. Right. And you also watch a little kid's feet. Their feet start to like, to do this little toe movements. And of course they're happy, but, Mm -hmm. but their, their, their bodies, the entire body is engaged whenever they're breastfeeding. And you probably get that to some degree with the bottle. But now that I've, now that you've mentioned it, I'm going to start paying attention to that when I'm working with clients who are breastfeeding or bottle feeding. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see. Man, we could go down that rabbit hole really far. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about your pedigree, Alex, because I think that's important for everybody to understand. You did not take a typical path to where you are. Most people go to like the best university, the best whatever, sports science program or whatever else. And I've seen you do some physical feats 
namely the most recent one was, can you get off the ground with a dowel rod behind your back? And you back, you, you front flipped onto your feet. And then you're also practicing archery on balance balls, Swiss balls, whatever. How did you get to do what you're doing? If somebody was like, I want to be like Alex. I spent a lot of time visualizing what I'm doing before I do it. Yeah. And in recent observation that I've had was I was trying to figure out how to do an Iminari roll in Jiu Jitsu, Uh which is basically you lay on your back and you grab someone's foot, but you have to invert, go upside down and then wrap your legs somehow in them. And I couldn't figure out how to wrap my legs that around them because I can see them doing it on the floor. But then I realized there was a disconnect between when I was going upside down and I didn't know what I was seeing. Mm. So I sat there for hours and I like, I didn't sit there and do nothing, but I was cleaning something and I was visualizing this role and I would try to, because the disconnect was when I was upside down, I was discombobulated. The moment I could transition upside down and know where my foot was supposed to go and where my hand was supposed to go, I went and I can hit it all the time. Interesting. Yeah. So is that something you developed? Like, were you an athlete your whole life? Or was this through the work you've had with clients that you started to, to develop a sort of a, a, I don't want to call it new proprioception, but you, you really had became an advanced proprioceptive human where you can really, you really know where you are relative to your environment. Was that through the work or was it just through athletics your whole life? How did you get there? Uh, my parents worked a lot and I spent a lot of time on my bike outside yeah, and yeah. doing really reckless things yeah. and uh, not safely. <laughs> Let's launch over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Full sending everything. You yeah. Know? I'm like, well, I hope, hope I, hope I, you know, you at least have fun doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I would take my bike through off these jumps and it started with little jumps to, you know, 20 foot jumps and not what you see on the nitro circus these days, which those guys are like, holy What's cow. that guy's name? Danny, uh, Danny, no, not Danny, not Danny uh, uh, Travis Pastrana, Travis Pastrana. Yeah, yeah. That guy on his motorcycle. And then he's kind of like that. He gets on a bike, with the, you know, whatever he's on, he's, he's absolutely crushing it. Just feel it out. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's times where, you know, the bike goes up and you're supposed to go down and you have to figure it out. And then you have this, if you, have you ever read the book rise of Superman? Yeah. And yeah. so they talk about how time dilates. And so with enough adrenaline going through your system, it's either there's a sense of danger and things slow down. And I got a chance to try different things. And then sometimes my body would auto-correct going like, this is what you're supposed to do. And then I would remember it and I'd visualize myself doing it. So the next time I hit the jump, I would do it consciously. And it's the same thing with everything that I do. And even why the biggest reason why people can't gain muscle, because I used to be 240 pounds and less than 7% like body fat. linebacker, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Never steroids, never testosterone. And all of that was, I remember in the gym, someone was telling me in high school, this guy, you know, cause I started working out in high school. My parents wouldn't let me work out. And, uh, cause I died when I was three. So I can, I can see why they were overprotective of me when you died when you were three. You didn't know this? No, I had, um, so I died in the hospital. I had laryngitis and my airway occluded it and I suffocated in my sleep because the nurses gave me sleeping pills. So my mom can get some rest. Oh my God. And Thanks then, doc. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I couldn't breathe. And, and so then they had to drain all the, the pus out of me. They cut me in my throat here. They drained my lymph nodes out full of pus. And then they had to resuscitate me with adrenaline to my heart. And Holy that works. Smokes. And then they gave me a tracheotomy to have a little tracheotomy yeah, scar, there. scar. I never even now I, I didn't even notice. That's amazing. And um, so yeah, they resuscitated me. And so from that moment, they I can see why they were very overprotective yeah, of me. Yeah. But that actually through the individuation process made me the complete opposite. And I'm like, 
the most reckless person in terms of, <laughs> you know, you want to, you want to run through that? Let's do it. You know, yeah. let's, you want to jump off of that? Let's do it. You want to yeah. drive fast? Let's do it. You know, it was, it's because if I didn't feel alive. Yeah. So I did things oh that made me God. feel real alive that brought me close to death. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was a lot of that. It was yeah. a lot of, um, time dilation and visualization and, um, Oh, the gym, the locker room. So I was, I heard in the locker room of the, of the, uh, of the gym, and the guy was basically saying that this guy worked out by not working out. And all he did was he concentrated on, and he was into martial arts, and he concentrated on the movements like he was working out, and he gained muscle. And I was like, hmm. what? Yeah. And so that became a data point. But then I also integrated that into what I was doing, which was actually connecting with my tissue. Yeah. So I would move and feel every tissue. Like if I feel my scapula wing, I would try to bring it back down. And even that little subtle shift, I would, I would feel a better connection with my body. And then, so I would always try to maintain connection with my body when I did anything, how most people, let's say do, if you go into a CrossFit class or do marathons, they're so disconnected. They're like, I want to get this over with, Yeah. but I'm the opposite. The yeah. I want to, I want to be in my body because that's right. the only time I feel alive. And when you die, there's this leaving of your body that occurs. And so that was always been easy for me to leave my body and then unconsciously back in the day, I didn't know I wasn't in my body, but I did things to get myself back in my body. And visualization kept me rooted while doing all those things. Man. So that over many, many years. And, you know, since you bring that up and since a lot of my audience is going to be thoughtful about <clears throat> working with you and this and that, even the exercises that prepare women for birth, there's a lot of visualization, like all the hypnobirthing, hypnobabies, those programs. It's all about visualizing your body opening up. And even Ina May, who's <clears throat> her legacy is the farm, spiritual midwifery, etc. She, in a caravan of midwives, went across the country in the 60s following a guy who was a speaker at Berkeley. And on their caravan, you know, it's the it's the 60s and 70s. People were getting pregnant and then having babies because they were taking forever to get across the country and without any real destination. So they started just attending births there and they developed this whole paradigm of midwifery that is way more in touch with our ancient roots than it is the over-medicalized, pathologized system that I have left and hold at an arm's length now, you know. But the <clears throat> one big thing that Ina May always talked about was when you're going to have a baby— there's a cervix, right? The cervix is really at the whim of the uterus. The cervix is the part of the uterus that opens as a result of a baby's head coming through the pelvis. So we focus so much on just that. And she's like, if we're going to focus on the cervix, let's not focus on the closed cervix. Let's open our mouths, open ourselves up. And a lot of the visualization is your body is opening. So this gets into like Dispenza's work and a whole bunch of other people that you know that you and I talk about. But what you're, ta what you're saying is that the, the, this mind-body connection is very literal, that if you are imagining your muscles doing this thing, or your pelvis opening, or your cervix opening, or your contractions bringing your baby into the world, that is what is going to happen. If you're afraid, and you're tight, and you're closed off to this, then your body responds as well. So there's something, re I mean, really powerful to this for anybody out there who's going to have a baby, um, let alone healing your body after pregnancy. And the, and the next part of this may go a little bit too woo for people, but unless... I'm way out of the woo closet, brother. <laughs> unless, unless it's karmatic, I would say. So someone is visualizing that they have a really pleasant birth, but it ends up being traumatic. Yeah. That is more karmatic than it is 
than it is, um, you know, they didn't do something right. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh yeah. I, I totally want to acknowledge that there's not, you're not guaranteed to have an openly, you know, uh, like an ecstatic birth and in this and that there's, there's far more, there's far more to this process. I mean, I talk about birth as a sacred transformation and all of that. So, um, I'm totally with you there. I also think that when people are like, I need to get as strong and buff and fit as possible in pregnancy. And they forget that like, this is actually a surrendering process and wherever your mind goes, your body goes. That all is also a part of that equation. So I, I didn't want to, uh, overstep there, but yeah. Oh no, I was adding. So people, yeah. you know, cause I'm, yeah. I, I know of many people that dreamed of this pleasant birth and they've visualized it and it didn't happen. Right. And it was like, it's a, it's its own beautiful lesson of, Hey, not everything is going to work out right. this way. Right. Right. But that's okay. Look, baby's still here. It's beautiful yeah. and it's growing and it's healthy. And there's so many things that, you know, but it wasn't more unpleasant for you, which it was supposed to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, knowing where you came from personally, and then knowing, I know, I know your story as to how you got to be practicing the way you did. I know you took things in a very different approach, even from an academic standpoint. You have VHS tapes, if I recall seeing, of Paul Check's work back in the day, right? Or DVDs. Is it DVDs? Okay, yeah. so you're not, you're not that far back. You're not like James Goodlatte back. Um, tell me about how you met the Czech Institute. How did you fold that in? And was that, was that where you started before you even started doing the neurosomatics or was that after? So my parents wanted me to be successful. So they were like, okay, well, we got to drum up something. Cause I, I had like a 1.7 GPA in high school, which is hilarious. Cause my kids complain that they have like a 3.4 or like a four something. And <laughs> I'm like, like a B minus at best. Yeah. At and worst. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I got an A minus. Oh my God, my first B. I'm like, okay. You're gonna be okay. Did you say a D or a B? <laughs> B, great job. <laughs> and uh, so my parents, you know, put me in all these different things and did some odd jobs. Like, you know, I was a bouncer. I sold phones at the at the mall, and uh, I was that guy that yelled at you to get phones. And and then I started working at GNC, and then my and then so my parents were like, you know, hey, looks like you like working out because I used working out to get out of trouble. I like stayed away from that. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and this is I'm gonna work. I'm gonna do this, and I don't I don't get in trouble. So they're like, you like working out. Why don't you go to personal training school? I'm like, all right, throw me in there. So I went to personal training school and the information absorbed. Like I didn't have to do anything. I'd be sitting there like reading a, a fitness magazine and I would have the instructor come and rip it out. She's like, what did I, what is the answer to what I was asking? And I'm, and I'd give her the Six? answer. I don't know. <laughs> and and w- one of those times it was, she was asking uh, like what muscle aids in knee flexion. And I remember it was like biceps femoris. Oh no. Yeah. Biceps femoris in my head. And that's what she was looking for. And then, like, I went back and she, like, and I answered her and I went back to reading. And then she, like, ripped the, the book out of my hand. And I was like, okay. And then I was already coaching people there because they weren't grasping it. And I was like, why don't you grasp this? This is so easy. Because I've spent all this time playing yeah. and, you know, feeling what my body's doing in the air with no gravity. And, and then, wow. and then, um, so then I started working at Lifetime Fitness. I met this person that I ultimately was, I was, joking about I was being kind of kind of a, a douche and uh <laughs> and I was like hey can you you know can you imagine having this last name and he was like I can that's my last name and he was the new guy and I was like oh god so from then he was he was also a very intelligent human being and uh but he was like a dilettante where he likes to do many things yeah and so um one day he he was doing something that in my thus far practice I didn't 
I was like, that you're going to get yourself hurt. And he questioned me. He goes, why? If my body can do this, why can't I do this? And I go, I don't know. Where did you learn this? And then so he sent me these two routes. He goes, you, you can learn from Poliquin, which is like supplements, Olympic training, heavy weightlifting. And I was like, I already did all that. I worked at GNC. I got on supplements. I got off supplements. I'm, I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. What does Paul teach? And then they was like, oh, he does a more holistic thing where he teaches you about spirituality and the mental and emotional and the physical and everything in me was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I went and bought every... Paul Check you're talking about. Yeah. And I went without even... I didn't even I didn't even look at who Paul Check was. And I bought his IMS1 now, or his exercise coach back in the past, his golf biomechanics. I bought HLC1. And then my parents were like, what are you doing? You're spending all this money that you should be saving to move the hell out of our house. <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to work. Beat. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is hero's journey right here. Yeah, I'm like, right, right, my, right. My, my closest supporters became my enemies, you know, yeah. my, my biggest deterrence of what I was doing. And I was like, this is going to work out. And I'm like, I don't know how, but it's going to work out. And uh, so then I... I went in there and the first correspondence course I got answered all of my questions that I had on the inner sure. unit. And I was like, that's it. I'm hooked. And that was it. And then I would DVD after DVD. I have every single DVD and that he's got a collection did. up there. Yeah. 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 And now everything's digital, but I still have the original DVDs. And, You're uh, an OG, man. Huh? You're an OG. I'm an OG. Yeah. And you're Czech faculty now, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm working into being a uh, teaching IMS one, which is the <laughs> entry level exercise course. Yeah. So for anybody out there listening... Paul Check, Angie Check, Penny Check, they run the Check Institute in Southern California. They're dear friends of ours. You've been working with them way longer than I have. I was their OBGYN. I got folded into that. And I was like, here is the comprehensive understanding of human health that I've been seeking. When I left med school, after all of that money I spent, talk about investing money, I came out thinking, this is really weird. Like, I'm just giving drugs and surgery to everybody. And sometimes that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you can take a step back and consider the whole person, like when we truly consider holistic care stuff starts working a lot better, a lot faster without all the other side effects and adverse effects. So without, without having a formal education, in some ways, you didn't have to be unlearned or, or untaught and have those bad habits broken from the formalized education system of sitting in five by five rows. You were smart. I, I, just, I just was reading one of David Icke's books uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Kyle's uh, living room, Kingsbury. And um, <clears throat> I pulled off one of David Icke's books. I was just flipping through because, you know, Bear was practicing violin and whatnot. And I, first page, it was an Einstein quote. It was like, I don't, I'm going to butcher this again, but it was like an education or um, an education is what's left over when you get done with school. <laughs> I was thinking, man, 20 years of school. Gosh, what did I learn? Not, I learned what I don't want to do. I learned what I don't want to prescribe to people. And then, of course, you find some very, very, dare I say, basic stuff that we all were just ignoring why we were getting a, quote, education. And I love what I love about you, and I think the reason that you're such a breath of fresh air for me, and hopefully for the listeners, is that if you're looking to do something profound, if you care about people and you want to help them with their health, you don't necessarily have to go down the path of getting your PhD and your master's in sports, sports what is it, sports science or... Science, whatever. Exercise science, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, kinesiology. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, these are, this is not rocket science, but putting into practice is actually quite hard because we have these, these tough habits to break. Did you face, when you were going through that, did you have to like start reworking your entire life, getting out of relationships, totally shifting how you ate? I mean, I'm just, just kind of curious about that. Well... The eating was an easy part because I was a fat kid growing up, yeah. and uh, but an athletic fat kid, I'd be on my bike, and which didn't make sense why I was fat because I'm like <laughs> I'm outside all the time. I'm I'm gassed. Yeah. By the end of the day, oh this cut out. 
I was gassed by the end of the day. And, um, but then, you know, I found out about food. So that was an easy part. When I, when I learned that my gut health is going to impact how I feel and actually started focusing on gut health, not what I ate, I, I, I tan now. Like my body actually receives sun before wow. I would burn. Yeah. And then it blows people's minds. And, you know, people are like, oh, don't you want to put sunscreen on or on Ari? I'm like, she's going to be fine. Yeah. And how do you know? Because she was out for 12 hours yesterday in the sun in 100 degree weather. Yeah. And I was like playing outside with no shade. Right. I'm like, when your gut is healthy, your body responds healthy. You don't have plastics in your skin. And that's what burns. People eat all this, you know, oh, I can't remember what it is. It's like Garbage. every year you eat like a credit card of plastic or it's like oh every couple God, of months. It's, it's some kind of maddening <laughs> thing. And uh, so then your body has to turn that plastic into your body and then people's bodies burn. Because yeah. it doesn't... You it's like you're, you're a walking polymer just walking out there getting melted like a crayon on the side. Yeah. How do, you, how do you turn Doritos into eye cells? Like, <laughs> like how is that possible? You know? Magic. But, but your body does it. Your body does yeah. it. And... Uh, so the biggest thing that I had to that I had to get rid of was program design because I was classically trained to write programs for people in a certain way. Was it just like the three by 10 bodybuilding kind of like hypertrophy program or what was it that, that you learned in, in school or whatever that? It was like, it was different varieties of things. You add in all these things and but uh, have these have these certain exercises done, make sure that the person is, you know, exhausted. But then when you go to the check system, it's like, well, well what are their assessments say? And then why are you doing that? Well, why are you giving someone, um, let's say, like, why are you giving someone hip extensions when they have a posterior rotator pelvis that's already an extension? So now why are you making that worse? Yeah. And it took me a lot, way too long to go simplify things and go, well, here are the assessments. Here's what fixes that. I'm going to program that. And I don't care what they say about it. Because <laughs> that was the ultimate thing that kind of was the insecurity that they were going to say something because most people have this experience with uh, trainers and health coaches that are, or exercise prescribers that, you know, they should be exhausted. They yeah. should be tired. They should be, they should feel like they worked out. And that's not really the case. <laughs> and so that was the biggest part. It's an addiction to that feeling like I worked out. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. how do I give, you know, a professional athlete like crawling exercises and breathing exercises? They're going to totally not come back. Yeah. And it took a long time before I unwired that and was like, I'm going to make this actually super simple. Whatever their assessments say, I'm going to give them an exercise that fix that. And then I'm going to reassess them. And then if they're not better, I'm going to give them an a better exercise to fix that. And if yeah. they get better at it, but the structure doesn't change, I'm going to keep giving them exercises to fix that. And when it's balanced, I give them a balanced program to balance both sides. And like, that took so long to unlearn. And it was years. It was like seven years, maybe even, yeah, close, eight years before I was, I, I grasped that. Cause when I used, I used to write programs that were every day were different. So when I worked at Lifetime, I'm like, how are people, getting their programs done so quick. Cause every person, every time they would come in, I'd write them a new program based on what their needs were and what they were doing the day, time before. And I would create so much variety and my clients would get crazy results, but it took me also forever to write yeah, programs because yeah. I was never assessing people. And so the only assessments I would do is I would visually look at them and I go, well, this looks weird. So we're going to change that here. Yeah. And so then I would do it all visual. And then I met Paul and everything was now more assessable. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, 
And uh, so when I would test out, they're like, you don't get this exercise stuff. I'm like, what do you mean I don't get it? It's I'm, They have a new program. Every single day they come in. And look like, at the results. Yeah. We, we get so caught up in the protocols and the procedures in order to be efficient. I'm guessing at Lifetime, most people are doing exactly what the medical system does, where you fit this, this, this. Here's the program. You know, it, it's not so much what does the person need. It's here's how we do things here. And then we start fine-tuning. Versus what you're doing is you're doing what I do in medicine, which is a lot harder. It takes a long time. Like we might talk for 90 minutes before we even start treating anything or diagnosing anything. It's a matter of really appreciating what does this particular person need to reharmonize with their surroundings, given their particular story in this particular context. That's what we're lacking. And that's what I love so much about what you do. And I'm not saying that to fluff you up on the podcast. I, there <clears throat> unfortunately isn't enough of you and Sarah and me in the world. But I do think within the Czech universe, I do think that there's a lot of that personalized approach coming through. And fortunately, people are finding that it actually works. Like we're not just blowing smoke up your butt. Like there's actually a reason why you should do this movement and you should do this movement. And then maybe we swap it, you know, and I'm oversimplifying. When you guys overdo it, switch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. What are three, uh, I know we're probably running uh, close on time here. What are three movements I know that we just talked about personalizing, but if there was like, for most people out there, what are three movements they can do in the gym if they really have like a half hour? Like what, what are some movements that most people may be lacking or not over, are, are not emphasizing enough? And that might, I, I may just be shooting myself in the foot by asking you something like that. Well, I'll do, I'll do my best. So we have, let's say if they're in pain, they could do things like crawling. There's crawling exercises that, which uh-huh. is infant development. Uh, crawling on your knees or like bear crawling, hands and feet. So there's there's an inchworm exercise that Paul teaches. I'm sure people can YouTube it, or I can. We can we'll we'll link it in. The, yeah, we'll link it. We'll, episode, we'll do yeah. something. Um, and that's for that's great for restoring posture and getting your head and your pelvis to talk to themselves. <laughs> that's a great one. I'm I'm sure. <laughs> and it's like you know how ba- babies don't have the use of their arms and legs. But somehow they move around the crib. And you're like, how the heck did you move around? So that's the they inchworm around everywhere. They they're, they're oh, developing their neck musculature on a flat surface, so that way when they stand up, they can maintain that posture. Because when we go forward, our head goes forward, but the inchworm teaches our anterior neck muscles and a po- and well, every muscle to function while you're on a flat surface relative to the pelvis. Yeah. So when you're you're you stand upright, there's a ch- there's more chance and likelihood that your head is going to be on top of your body at this yeah. point. Okay. So that's a good posture if you have like forward head and you know your your pelvis and your head are all disintegrated and they're not working not disintegrated like combusted but this disintegrated this uh not communicating. Yeah, not communicating. <laughs> yeah. Um so then then there's the Let's say the in, a good an integration exercise is like a supine lateral ball roll. You lay in a you lay, in a, mm. lay in a ball with a stick, and basically the ball is behind your back. You're in a, you're in like a hip thruster position, and uh, you're in a hip thruster position. And basically, what you're doing is you are shifting from one side of the ball, which now as the ball now leaves the center of gravity, my body wants to rotate. Ah. So then it's my responsibility to get my obliques to con- to create rotation without actually rotating my spine. Got it. So it's a safer way to rotate for people that have a mismatched pattern or uh, they do sh- shifting yeah. or they, you know, they 
they don't rotate. They're like runners. Even though the, yes, the body moves in all planes of motion, the spine moves in the transverse motion. But it's a, it's one foot in front of the other for an extended period of time. Right, right. And uh, so, and most people do very bilateral or you know very s- symmetrical lifts. Like they bench press, they do a two legged squat, they do uh, you know they do a pull up with two hands fixed. It's, it's all very symmetrical, symmetrical yeah. you know, yeah. and they're not getting out of that that plane of going forwards. Right. Right. And um, and if anyone has a recovering from an injury or women that have a C-section, it's it's a great one to start getting into your body again. Because if you ever get feedback from a mirror, it's mind blowing that you're like, oh no, I'm perfectly holding level, and you see you see your body shear one way, or you see it rotate, or you see your hands compensate. You know, you'll ha- you'll see the shoulder dip, but then they're like, no, the stick is even, and you're like, no, no, no <laughs> the stick is not even. And um, and then a good strength exercise, which is probably one of the most controversial things because, you know, you hear on Joe Rogan about that guy. <laughs> I think the deadlift. If you take the time to learn that movement properly, yeah. it's one of the most used exor- exor- uh, movements ever, including things like football. No one squats in football, but they have them squatting in football. More people hinge. The hinge. In football. Because yeah. when you make contact with someone, you don't extend your legs. You bring your hips through, and that's how you explode through people. And it's the same thing in wrestling. Most people don't have this concept of how, because I wrestled for seven years, from middle school to high school. And people, when you try to squat someone up, they're really heavy. But if you grab someone's pelvis, or their, their weight, around, your hands are on their waist, and your only visualization is get your pelvis to their leg, they're going to go up really easy. No kidding. And that's a hinge. It's a hinge pattern because <clears throat> you're far ahead of them. And your legs are underneath you, but the moment you bring your pelvis to them, they're yeah. on top of you. Well, even standing up is a hinge. When you're pregnant, you've got you know all this extra weight that has your center of gravity off. You're in a hinge, standing, moving, squatting, whatever else. Yeah, there's a squat movement, yeah. but it's your hinge that's actually helping to stabilize the core muscles, which is why you brought up the glutes and everything before, which is connected to all of that other tissue. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got the inchworm, we've got the hinge, uh, the deadlift, and we've got the uh, the lateral supine lateral ball supine roll. lateral ball roll. And the cool thing about the deadlift, it's an exercise that works everything. It's going to work your teeth, it's going to work your eyes, it's going to work your hands. A squat, you could, it's somewhat passive. And I've seen, I've seen horrific things. I've seen horrific things with deadlifts, but I've seen bars roll off of people and like externally rotate their oh, elbows. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. all sorts yeah. of things. And uh, it's a lot easier to fail with a deadlift. Yeah, you let go. And, uh, just let go. <laughs> let go. Well, plus, I when I when I test people out for for strength, I don't do a lot of that anymore because I've got a lot of people in the community that I just send them to that to 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 train with them. Plus, I don't have like a gym in my house like you do. But if you get somebody to lift a bar off the ground, you can tell very very quickly their overall fitness. Now, it's not everything, mm-hmm. but if you if you tell me you've got a five hundred pound back squat but a two hundred fifty pound deadlift, mm-hmm. we know where we need to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not working with a lot of people that do that, but. But people are so focused on the, you know, the, um, just like that leg press machine or the, the, you know, shoulder press because they want to strengthen, they want to have nicer shoulders or whatever else. But if you grab a heavy bar and stand up just once and then place that bar down, you just did a whole workout. Like Mm -hmm. that is a real workout, which is why it's so hard to move. You get so tired when you're moving a person from one house to another, you're, you're hinging all day long. Mm -hmm. And if that's weak, that's the first thing that you start to see in that dysfunction and movement patterns. That's my experience, mm-hmm. but it sounds like that's, that's kind of what you're getting yeah. at. Yeah. And what, and if, if we're doing this whole thing about don't listen to what the regular doctor tells you about movement, because <laughs> they have no, 
classic or teachings in it is they're going to tell you to squat every movement now. Yeah. And you're like, mm. and then you see the diagram of them squatting and it's like this perfect squat. And it's like, well, if the person could squat like that, they probably wouldn't be in pain. <laughs> right. They probably wouldn't yeah, need right. to then go to you. To, squat like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, and it's a precursor to almost every, you know, Olympic lifting. Yeah. You, you're going to do a snatch. Got to get it off the ground you, still. You're going to have to <laughs> hold the bar in your hands and throw it above your head. And you're going to pick up a couch, your kid. No yeah. one squats to pick their kid up. Yeah. They, they hinge and they pick their kid up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I see you've got a client rolling in here. Um, how can people find you? It's been awesome to spend some time with you. Oh, it's been great. I, yeah. I love when you come down here. The best, the best way is you can find me on Instagram. Or you can reach out. Health.performance.engineer, is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. Um, and then you can go to our website, primalfusionhealth.com. Um, if you want to, the herbs that we are smoking, it's primalfusionherbs.com. Oh, yeah, you have got some great herb blends. Primal Fusion Herbs. I got them in my house. I love them. I'm going to be going home with some today. And then if, so our personal services are uh, one-on-one based, but we have a community called Primal Pride. And you can go on members.primalpride.com and get a free trial. And basically what we do is we log on every Monday and for two hours and people can ask anything that is on their mind and whether it's from health to their own personal things or they ask about, I mean, you're in there. I need to, I need to be joining office hours more. I've been so busy, but I love what you put together there. I was, I'm on the platform and um, I need to get more engaged because it's a bunch of very, very open-minded, open-hearted people who just want to see people get better. And that's the idea is there's no judgment. There's no... There's no uh, mocking. There's no uh, uh, trolling. The ego is out. The ego is out. Leave it at the door. It's it's either <laughs> you're you're here to learn and to grow, or don't come here. Yeah. And you yeah. know it's one button away from kicking people out, but Love no it. one has needed to be kicked out. And we've got a, a great pride of people there. Yeah. <laughs> Primal pride. So yeah, those are our three ways. Awesome. To, yeah. We'll link everything in the uh, description. I love you, brother. Love you too. Thank you so much. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. I'm telling you, there are people like Alex out there. Believe it or not, it's not an orthopedic surgeon. It's not your primary care doc. It's not the neurologist that's going to help you out. It's going to be somebody like Alex Rybczynski. And um, as a neurosomatic therapist, I I feel like. He has a toolkit that is so unique that I don't really know sometimes who else am I to send this person to than Alex. A lot of people are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, well, that's, that's on you. <laughs> He's out there. He can be found. You can work with him at primalfusionhealth.com, a company he owns with his wife, Sarah Gustafson, another dear, dear friend of mine, two of my favorite people on the planet. They're both um, in the Czech tribe and they both approach health through a truly holistic lens. They also operate Primal Pride, which is an online community through the Mighty Networks uh, app that for a reasonable monthly monthly fee, you can join in in community with a whole bunch of other practitioners and people who are seeking holistic, truly holistic healthcare. And, um, and I think it's very, very well, well worth it. You'll find me in, the, in, pride, in the, the Pride as well. So all of that will be listed here in the podcast description. Thank you, Alex, for spending some time with me, brother. I really love you. The episode, of course, is supported by, by optimizers. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash holisticobijuan. You can try their magnesium breakthrough products. Seven distinct, ty- distinct types of magnesium will help you get your most restful sleep every single night. And 
for a limited time only using that website, magbreakthrough.com slash holisticobgyn. You'll also get some goodies if you buy three bottles or more. I can't recommend this company enough. Thank you, Wade, for putting these products together because it makes my life so much easier as a holistic health practitioner um, because I know exactly where to send people. So when you go to that website, Beloved 10 will get you 10% off, but all of that is explained there. I, um, I assure you it's very, very, very easy. <laughs> Remember everything on this podcast, which is a 501c3, is educational. If you want to actually work with me, if you actually want some medical advice, you got to find me at belovedholistics.com. My name's Nathan Riley. I'm the Holistic OBGYN. And um, there you can book one-time consultations, although I generally recommend my package because if it took you 10 years to develop this issue, whether it's fertility, it's abnormal periods, painful periods, you've got issues with your adrenals, you've got issues with your sleep, with weight, you're struggling with the transition through menopause, pregnancy, postpartum, anything under the sun in the primary care women's health space, I'm your guy. But if it took you 10 years to develop that problem, it's going to take at least several months to get you on the right track. So find me at belovedholistics.com. You can do the one-off consultations, book packages. And if you're a, a health coach out there like Alex and Sarah are, Sarah's in my program. I have a collaborator program whereby you have an MD consultant to turn to anytime you want to run anything by them. I can order labs. I can order imaging. I can interpret operative reports. I was trained as a surgeon. Remember that? I've got the whole gamut plus a very, very deep toolkit of a lot of other alternative modalities. So you can find all of that at belovedholistics.com. You just first have to join my private association. I work in the private. I do not work with policymakers, legislators, insurance companies. I don't work with any of the other things that I see as obstacles and constraints to you getting um, true truly holistic care and, and really lasting vitality. So belovedholistics.com is my site. If you're really liking what I'm doing here, support our sponsors. Go and try Mag Breakthrough. I'm not leading you astray. I don't work with every company who reaches out with a sponsorship. I only have a couple sponsors because I really believe in these companies. So support them. But you could also go to iTunes, leave a five-star review. It's the only... The brainiacs over at iTunes have figured out one way to track a podcast, how well a podcast is doing, and that's how many five-star reviews they have, period. So if you've got five seconds, go and do that. If you've already done that, thank you so much. Share these episodes with all of your friends. Let's get the word out there. There's some really fun stuff happening over at the Holistic OBJN podcast, and I am so grateful for so many people's support. So thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. My next guest on the podcast is episode 82, Doria Kareem, who's the daughter of Ibrahim Kareem, who developed the entire biogeometry program, which is really the, the physics of quality embodied in a very practical, very easy do-it-yourself uh, EMF mitigation, EMF harmonization program. And it's not so much a program as, hey, here are some basic tools to allow you to reharmonize with your surroundings, which was really the name of the game in salutogenesis through the lens of Steiner and anthroposophy and, and homeop homeopathics. I mean, it's, it's really not rocket science, but it seems like that because we've become so far astray. We've reduced everything down to just the, the, the meat and bones of the, the human body. Well, what about all of these other waveforms around us? I mean, there's important stuff here. And Fortunately, Abraham Kareem, who's, who's really an, an architect, but he developed this, this entire scientific um, body of work known as biogeometry, and his daughter, Doria, is my next guest. So that's not one that you want to miss. I will see you guys then. I'll see you there. Take care, everybody. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. 
っちゃったんだ。